Lord be with you. And also with you. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, and especially those of you who are visiting. We're so glad that you're here today. And some of you who have come from very much colder places, I'll bet you're glad that you're here today, too. We are going to be very warm for you today. There is a friendship pad that's next to the center aisle. Love to have you fill it out, whether you are a regular or a visitor, and let us know that you're with us today in worship. And there's an announcement sheet in the bulletin, our connections. You can see that after this service, there is a sanctuary tour. If you are interested in, in understanding why and how we did some of the restorations of the sanctuary, a number of years ago, Peg Donner will meet you right here, right there, right here. Peg Donner will meet you and uh, do a, uh, about a 20-minute tour of the sanctuary and explain some of what was done and the theology behind it. Also, there's still a chance to squeeze into the women's retreat. You can talk to the people on the patio about that. And there is room on Saturday also if it's easier for you to come just for the day on Saturday. You can sign up today. Third Friday Clippers is going to be having a very unique program this month along with a catered dinner of Southern food. Reverend Gary Waller, who was a pastor in the South during the civil rights uh, struggles, is going to talk about what life was like then. Fifty years ago this weekend, they are marking the anniversary of the Selma March across the bridge and Bloody Sunday. Uh, he was not there, but he was in the South during that period of time and lived with much of that turmoil that was going on. We'll talk about that. Also, we have a, a parish Sunday will be starting, will be two weeks from today. It's a chance to meet your deacon. They will bring food, and there will be all sorts of food and people in Tankersley Hall after each service, a good chance to meet one another as well as your deacon. We are starting a grief support group the day after Easter. It is a six-week group. We invite you to join us, and you will hear more about that in the service today. Also, you'll notice that our Holy Week schedule is a little bit different this year. In addition to a Maundy Thursday 7 p.m. service, there will also this year be a Good Friday evening service, not a noon service, as we have been doing. So plenty of heads up so that you can plan to be here both Thursday night and Friday night for those services. The, uh, we are also have a way to participate in reaching out to the mothers of children with cancer and through Frock and friends of Catherine Justo and her mother, Susan Justo. Catherine had cancer when she was two years old. She's, a, she's doing well now as an 11-year-old, but uh, her mother, Susan, knows well what it's like to be a mom sitting in the hospital for days and days and days with your child. And so she has created this outreach to mothers at Mother's Day, and you can see how to participate in that. Uh, also, the deacons tomorrow night will be hearing about elder abuse, and they, you are welcome to come and join them at 7 for an hour presentation. Uh, some of us have heard this person do a presentation before, and it was a wonderful way to understand what's going on that we may not notice and a way to help. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let us pray. God of grace, you have given us minds to know you, hearts to love you, and voices to sing your praise. We ask this morning that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we may celebrate your glory and worship you in spirit and in truth this morning. Give us hope, we pray, in Jesus Christ. Amen. The words of the prophet Isaiah call us to worship. 
Thus says the Lord, for I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf wolf and and the the lamb shall lie together. together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him.
lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, O Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Church, let us be seated as we continue in our worship, singing Psalm 121. we enter into the pain and the turmoil of the world, of the church around the world. Bring those and bring the turmoil of our own lives before the Lord in a lament. Let us pray together. Where are you, O God? We are lost in the night. Have you cast us from your presence? Temptations surround us. Their masks grin through the darkness. We run from them, but which way should we go? Where can we hide when all lies in shadow? Have mercy on us, O God. Our eyes are swollen from tears. Our bones are cold with fear. Our souls have been broken. Do you not hear, Lord? Save us. According to your steadfast love, answer us. Do not hide your face, but draw near and redeem us. Yeah. 
long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. We sing together. Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. God of life, God of comfort, alone, afraid, in fear, in loss, we cry out, why, O oh Lord, why? How long, O oh Lord, how long? We cling to you in hope, even as we grasp for hope. So grasp us in your loving embrace through Jesus Christ, who for our sake endured the cross. For we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, God the Creator brings you new life, forgives and redeems you. Take hold of this forgiveness and live your life in the spirit of Jesus. It's my pleasure to introduce to you the Reverend John Moore, one of our parish associates, will tell you about the grief class that he leads. Good morning. As we uh, participate in this service of lament today, we remember how we ourselves long for God's presence in times of our great loss. We also need to remember that 
we've been called to join God in this work around the world. The Apostle Paul praises God for comforting us in our troubles in the same way that we have been comforted by the comfort from others. Last fall, I was contacted by a couple who had lost their toddler, and they were in great anguish and were not connected to a community in which they could take their sadness and grief. And because they knew me, and they know Christians are about that kind of thing, we were able to respond to them as a church. Well, like me, all of you have been deputized into this work, the work of entering into the pain of others. And many of you have received comfort here that you can pass on. This morning, I bring you a way of responding to this calling. Beginning on Monday following Easter, we will be beginning a grief support group that goes for six weeks. And I would ask you if you would be aware of those in your networks and in your community that are grieving. In the last several times we've done this, most of the people were from outside the church, people who didn't have a community for this. And yet, you know these people. They're around you. And maybe you could suggest that this might be something that would be healing. They don't have to be Christians. Um, they just need to have, need some help. So would you consider that? You can get more information out on the patio. I'll be at the cart there. Or you can call the church office. You can talk to Deborah Sakash or Bonnie Changstrom, who works on the team with me. Um, and uh, uh, I would be glad to help you, any of you, with how you might reach out to somebody if you don't know how. Thanks very much. I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 8, on page 158 in the New Testament portion of your pew Bible. I'll be reading from verses 18 through 25 as we continue our study on the book of Romans. Hear now God's word to us. I consider that the sufferings of this present time 
are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we sing, we cry out, Kyrie eleison, Lord, have mercy. Like your servant Moses, who cried out to you to be able to see just a portion of your glory, that he may make it through the thick and thin of his life. So we too cry out this morning that we might see just a portion of your glory to be given hope not only for the life of head, but also for our present circumstance. So may your Holy Spirit enable us right now to receive your word by faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Interesting what we wake up thinking about some days, isn't it? Wednesday morning, I woke up thinking about a movie, the movie The Wizard of Oz. (laughs) It was on TV some time ago, and it must have found its way into my subconscious, and there it was in my mind. As I woke up, I recalled when I was a little boy, and my bedtime was right at 8.30 p.m. My parents were very strict about that exact time. There were no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you were in the middle of a TV program or if you had some project going on, when it was 8.30, it was time to brush your teeth and go to bed. So once a year, the movie The Wizard of Oz was shown on TV. Now for any millennials up there, I know that's hard to picture. A time without DVDs or DVR or YouTube or Netflix or Hulu, but we actually had to wait for something to come on TV. I know, it sounds horrible, doesn't it? (laughs) It was usually shown on TV, I think, sometime around November. With my bedtime being 8.30 p.m., It was the time right in the middle of the movie when Dorothy and her newfound friends had made their way, you remember this, off the path of the yellow brick road, and they were walking along out in the middle of that dark forest. While they were walking along, 
nervously conversing with one another, suddenly the evil monkeys showed up, flying overhead. The screen was filled with dark shadows. The music was frantic with intensity. And Dorothy was screaming with all of her might. And her friends were filled with panic and fear. In the meantime, those monkeys came down flying. And they swooped up Dorothy and her little dog too. And they took her up into the sky and she's screaming as her feet are going back and forth. And they took her to the castle all the while. The lion, the tin man, and the scarecrow, they were doing all they could to save her, but to no avail. So those wicked monkeys, they took her captive. And they took her to the castle right where that wicked witch was waiting. And then, bedtime! Are you kidding me? It's 8.30. We're right in the middle of the movie. So let me pause here for a moment and speak to the parents and grandparents out there. If you let your kid or grandkids start watching The Wizard of Oz or Star Wars or Toy Story, please, I plead with you, let them finish the movie. They're not going to get any sleep. They won't. Just let them finish the movie and know the whole story. The next morning, I asked my older brother, whose bedtime was later, how the movie ended. He said, Steve, I don't know how to tell you this, but the flying monkeys won. (laughs) We're best friends now. We're all good. Maybe that's in an older brother's job description. So for the whole year, I had thought those flying monkeys had actually won until finally, finally, my bedtime was later, it came on TV, and I got to watch the whole story and see the end of the movie. What a difference it made. It made such a difference every time I watched it over and over. To know while you're watching the movie how it's going to finish makes all the difference in the world. So back to Wednesday, laying in bed, half awake, waiting for my alarm to sound, I was recalling in my mind how it was once shaped by that false narrative that the flying monkeys had won. So I smirked, smiled, got out of bed, I swept a comb across my head, and one of my sons, he met me at the door. He said he was sick with a fever, and he was right, he had a fever. Had to stay home from school so he could get healthy and not get others infected. As I took care of that, I started to walk down the stairs, and I felt this familiar sensation of this dull pain in my left knee. Can anyone relate to that out there? And I recalled, as I was walking down the stairs, my recent conversation with my orthopedist when he was giving me my yearly shot, when I asked him, hey, doc, will I ever be 100%? And then after his boisterous laughter, he has no pastoral presence, not his gift. He said, pastor, I'm no miracle worker, but let's shoot for 80%. Once downstairs, picked up the remote, I turned on the morning news and the three leading stories on Wednesday morning 
First, countless Syrians, many who are Christians, are fleeing persecution, making their way down to the south, down to Turkey, to find refuge in those tent camps being set up. Second, racial tensions in Los Angeles are rising again because of the shooting on Skid Row. And then third, California. Even with our recent rain, it hasn't even made a dent in our drought that we have going on right now. I turned off the TV, threw the remote on the couch, and I caught myself saying under my breath, well, maybe those flying monkeys do win. Hmm. My Wednesday morning was probably not unlike a morning you had this week. Maybe you're thinking in your mind, my whole week was like that. My whole month has been like that. My whole year has been like that. But one thing we have in common with one another, we all struggle with suffering in our lives. The truth is, is that every person carries a worldview into their present situation. All those that are outside of the walls of this church and you sitting right there, we all have a worldview that we bring to those present circumstances that we are struggling with. It could be a pessimistic, fatalist worldview that has a way of sneaking into your mind and you catch yourself under your breath saying, well, maybe those flying monkeys do win. It could be a form of karma. We see it all over TV and movies that we will get what we deserve. If we do good, we'll get good back. If we do bad, we'll get bad back. It could be a sense of meaninglessness that all is by chance, that nothing and no one is behind anything out there in the world. You just get what you can, and if life throws you lemons, what do you do? You just make lemonade. Or maybe... Maybe it's a form of deism. God created the world, spun it like a top, and he's just sitting back, watching from a distance. He's not approachable, he's not personable, just has nothing to do. Maybe it's a paradigm that you bring, or that people bring, that's a mixture of all of those things and other things. The truth is, everyone carries a worldview with them into their present circumstance, and it speaks volumes into how they approach and interpret what's going on in their lives. Paul is well aware that we bring these worldviews of ours to Scripture, which is why starting with Romans chapter 1 all the way through here to Romans chapter 8, he is looking to introduce to us a worldview in which we can see all of life through past, present, and future. Romans 8, verse 18 is pivotal. It raises one of the main questions that every Christian struggles with. We sang about it this morning. Why, why does God let us struggle? Why does God let us suffer? And then we even catch ourselves asking the question, if Jesus has truly saved us and set us free, then why does God allow us to continue to suffer? Paul knows that some people might be tempted just to give up. And so with this in mind, 
Could it be that what Paul is looking to do here at this point in the passage is to lift our eyes up above the clouds if just for a moment, just for a moment to let you stay up past your bedtime so that you can see the whole story, that you can see the end of the story, so that that can become your worldview from which you see your present circumstance through? Could it be? I believe so. Scripture reminds us that the world was not always this way. There was a time when sin and the effects of sin had not yet permeated all through humanity and creation. Humankind, man and woman, and all of creation were living at one time in perfection. Can you even picture that in your mind? Creation and humankind were living in perfect harmony with one another. We were 100% what God had intended us to be. I can't even picture that in my mind. With the choice of Adam and Eve to eat of the forbidden fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or as one of my seminary professors called it, the tree of independence from God. Sin and the consequences of sin entered in. Not just into Adam and Eve, but in all humanity for generations to come. Likewise, throughout all creation, throughout the entire universe. As a result, Paul says that God would subject creation and all of humanity to futility, to frustration. We see it when we turn on our TVs, don't we, with creation? There's tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes and tsunamis and even droughts. We see it in terms of humanity. There's disease and illness and suffering and pain and racism and discord and wars. And worst of all, there is death. What does Paul say? It was subjected in hope. There's that word again, hope. Now we know of this word, don't we? That word first came into our hearts when we realized that we needed Jesus. We longed for hope and love and forgiveness and meaning. We longed to be rescued. And what did Jesus do? Jesus walked up to us. He took us by the hand. He brought us up to our feet and we're finding that we can walk. And he touched our eyes and he opened our ears and he softened these hardened hearts of ours and he brought his truth into our minds and something started to happen. We started to be renewed, and then something miraculous happened in us. We, we had this faith that came about, this faith that believed and trusted that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, and that he rose from the dead three days later, and we rejoiced in that truth. And we thought to ourselves, this is amazing. I'm starting to be transformed and renewed. I'm not who I was a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago. There's a change that's happening in me. But then we were well aware, and you're well aware of it right now. In this present time, even though we are fully forgiven, do you need to hear that this morning, Christian? You are fully forgiven. 
And even though we are fully adopted into God's family, and I say that to you as well, you have doubts sometimes, Christian, but you are fully adopted into God's family. You are his son. You are his daughter. And nothing can separate you from Christ. But we know deep down inside that we are not, we are not yet what God had fully intended for us to be. I know today, even as I leave this sanctuary, that I will still fall short. I hate to break it to you, I'm a pastor, but I'm still going to sin. And I'm still going to suffer, and you're still going to suffer. And as much as we try to put it in the back of our minds, or try and make ourselves look so young, I hate to break it to you, but one day it's going to happen. You're going to die. Hmm. And so Paul knows right now the comment and the question that you have for him. It's on the tip of your tongue. I'm thankful for all that I have in Christ. That's the comment. But the question before us is, why and how do we still have to to suffer in this present time? Why do I still have to suffer in the meantime? And it's for that reason that Paul right here just lifts you up above the clouds and he's going to let you see the upcoming future glory. You want some hope this morning? You ready? Here's the glory. Paul says that God subjected us and all creation in the hope that one day all things will be as they were intended to be. One day. One day creation will be set free from its bondage to decay. Creation, we find here, even knows that things are not the way they were intended to be. I don't think what Paul is saying is that the the ocean and the trees and lions and tigers and bears have a self-awareness of sin and futility. But I do think that Paul is saying that nature and the creative order has a life of its own and it knows it needs to be renewed. There is a groaning that's going on in creation awaiting for that renewal. And Paul goes on to say that not only is creation awaiting that day, but we too who have the first fruits of faith in Christ, that we too are groaning. Don't you groan? Sometimes aren't you just groaning and awaiting that future glory that we have because we know right now we are not fully what we are intended to be. But that groaning Although it includes pain, it is a groaning that is looking forward to something better to come. Pastor Tim Keller, he's pastored a church in Manhattan, New York, said that one day when he was doing a hospital visit, he was walking down the hallway of this hospital and he heard this loud groaning going on in one of the rooms. And he paused for a moment and he closed his eyes and he thought to himself, this is really interesting. I could interpret this groaning in different ways. If I'm walking down the hallway of ICU intensive care, that groaning is going to mean pain, possibly even death. But if, if I were walking down the hallway of the maternity ward, that groaning, it might mean life and birth and renewal. And Tim said what Paul is doing right here is he is walking us down that maternity hallway. I love that imagery. 
So as Paul is walking us down that hallway, we see the hope ahead that when Christ returns, God will bring about a new heaven and a new earth. All of creation, all of the creative order will be renewed and will be 100% perfect the way that it was intended to be. And for us, for humanity, our inheritance is that we will fully understand our adoption as sons and daughters of God. There will no longer be that doubt in your mind. You will fully understand what it means to be a child of God. He's also saying that your body, your body will have full redemption. Amen to that. Amen? No more pain, no more sorrow, no more disease, no more tears. Your body will be 100% what it was intended to be. It will be a resurrected body. It will be a perfect body, not for an end in itself so that you can run that perfect marathon in heaven or surf the greatest millennial wave you've ever had. God is giving you this resurrected body. Get this so that you will be able to better behold and worship God. Think about that. Because you have this resurrected body, you will now be able to more deeply and more highly be able to worship the creator of the universe. Hmm. Paul is saying, that is your future hope, and hold on to it. We know what a difference it makes. The kinds of things that go through our minds when we are going through a tough day. We know when we're experiencing suffering, all those different things that come through our minds, what Paul is trying to insert into your mind right now, put into your mind that glorious hope that one day will come. But on the other hand, we don't want to be so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good. And so there's a balance knowing what's going to come into the future to get you through today. But in the meantime, we are called to take this hope of ours and to bring it out into the world, into creation and humanity. Because here's the deal. Being that it's true that God is going to renew the heavens and the earth and that this is going to be the place where we stand and worship God, then what do you think we take care of this earth right now? Do I hear an amen to that? And being that God doesn't want that hope just to stay in you, but he wants it to shine, what do you say we go out, out beyond these church walls and bring that hope of the gospel and the goodness of Christ by faith, hope, and love out there into the world? Because I guarantee you, folks, every person deep down inside is crying out for help, for hope. Monday morning, I'm sitting at home. I'm working on an email I'm really intently in this email, and I could hear faintly outside of my house this faint, help. Help. What's that? I did what some of you often, oh, we all do this. I look back at the email, this really important email. But I kept hearing this, help, help. So I ran from the desk, went across the street, and there was my neighbor, over 90 years old, lying down out in her front yard. She had fallen down while trying to take a letter to the mailbox. 
So I got there, a gardener from two homes down got there, and we, we stayed with her to make sure that she was okay. You don't want to pick anyone up but right away. She said, please carry me into my home, and I'll call my family. And as we were walking her along, she looked over at me and she said, I was afraid that no one was going to hear my cry for help. We have a world. We have a creation. We have humanity that is crying out help. Help. And we may see it and we may hear it in different ways. And we don't come at them boisterous or angry. But we come to them out of love and faith, and the hope that we have in Christ that what he has done for us, we want to share it with others. My prayer this morning is that God has placed that hope in your heart and in your mind to help you through today as we make our way to the future. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you. Thank you so very much. For Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who reminds us of the hope that we have in Christ now and in the future. And help us to reflect that love, that faith, and that hope that you give us each and every day to how we respond to our present circumstance and how we look at life. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward as we give of our tithes and our offerings. It's great.
And so, Lord, we can say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Church, let's stand and sing that together. Lord, you are the Father of lights, and you give every good and perfect gift to us. We are so grateful that the great gift you've given to us is your vision of us, your listening to us, your hearing our cries for need and help. We pray this morning that your Spirit will continue to transform our spirits so that we might give as we have received. We place these offerings before you, and we ask that you will use them to bring comfort in the midst of our struggles and sorrows and thanksgiving in the midst of our joy and celebration of life. Thank you that you are involved in the totality of all that we are or ever hope to be and that you are leading us into the fullness of your eternal life. So use our giving this day to lift heavy burdens. Build your kingdom. We pray for our world this day that is in such need. Places where there is hunger, where there is injustice, where there is warfare, where there's hopelessness and despair. We pray for representatives of your kingdom out there, missionaries in Africa and Asia, in various places around our world. We pray that you will anoint them with the power of your Holy Spirit so that hope may come. Give to us the perseverance, the endurance that we need to hang in there each day of our lives. We thank you for the fellowship of our church, for the light that shines forth from here, a light of hope and peace and righteousness. Continue to bless this congregation and this presbytery and our denomination and all members of the family of Christ that we might be your faithful people in building your kingdom. Work through us. We ask in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Remember, if you'd like to have a tour of this beautiful sanctuary, Peg will meet with you right here at 1115. Is that right? Now. Right now. <laughs> I pray that it's well with your soul. I pray that God gives you hope and faith and love to take beyond outside of these walls to bring to our world that is crying out for hope, crying out for help to know the hope of Jesus Christ. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you this week. Amen.